Welcome to the Call to Action Podcast, where we bring you incredible people and even more incredible stories with discussions and topics about what it takes to sacrifice everything to overcome hardships and failures to achieve success. Our guests heard the call. Now it's your turn. Oh my God, this is going to be another, this is going to be another like lone survivor situation, right? We have oh, goat no. herders. So we did run you, after did, this guy. Did you guys have to like zip tie him up? Like, yeah. and just like yeah, oh, yeah. gather intel? Yeah, we, yeah, we zip tied them. We put them down. Uh, we started taking pictures of them. And, you know, at that time we're getting on the, um, we're getting on the radio and calling our QRF guys to come get us because we don't know what we're, we're in, you know, we're thinking, right. who are these guys, you know, in the middle of the who desert, knows? what are they doing here? So anyway, I start running towards this guy who's popping his head up and my buddy Danny, um, who's a really tall dude. He's actually a firefighter uh, with LA County now. And he just starts sprinting. He's yelling at his guys like, get on the ground. He's yelling. And he just like, like a gazelle, just like books it with all his gear. And he's carrying like, you know, 60, 70 pounds of gear on and just books it and grabs this guy. Um, it turns out later what was happening. The reason that this kid ran is he was burying that AK 47 that he was, oh. they were shooting out in the desert. So he was, he was, you know, genuinely afraid that we were going to shoot him. So anyway, we grabbed him, we zip tied them, we're asking them who they are, you know, we're trying to get intel. And um, so we call our QRF and yeah, basically we, we move them to a different location and then the cavalry shows up and, you know, it, it turns out it was, it was nothing. They were just a bunch of, you know, goat herders in the middle of the desert that happened. I mean, it's just crazy. Like they just yeah, how would anyone know? to fall right on top of our position, like in the entire oh desert. I mean, we're talking guys, we're talking hundreds of miles of just, just nothing. They happen to fall right on top of us. Like what's the coincidence of that? And, uh, it was just, it, I'll go for it. It was. No, I was just going to say, oh, appara- apparently, uh, apparently better than, than you would have thought because <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Jesus, that's insane, well, it, man. Yeah. It was funny. Oh, well, it wasn't funny at the time, but so we, we grabbed these guys no, certainly not. and we're moving them to a different location to wait for our, our quick reaction force to show up. And so at one point we have these three guys zip tied in, in the middle of us and there's six of us and we're sitting there in a 360 formation and it's just dead quiet. And my team leader, who was, he's a, he's a funny guy. He just looks at us. He goes, guys, this is like fucking lone survivor shit right now. And we just started <laughs> dying laughing. I mean, not laughing because the Navy SEALs got completely killed and all that. It was more like, of course, this was like a very similar situation where if we would have just let these guys go, who knows? They could have told, you know, some insurgent, right. you know, ISIS member coming across the border where our position was like, we basically, from that book, we learned from their mistakes, unfortunately. And, you know, it turned out it was basically nothing. They were just, you know, goat herders, but it was one of those moments where you're like, wow, this could have maybe gone a different direction. It could have been a really bad situation. So you've got to be safe. Well, yeah. It's probably one of my memorable memories over there. It's kind of interesting. Uh, and I guess I would ask you, but I've, I've done so much. I have a few buddies that have in similar situations to to what you're describing and uh in in other branches and they've told me some some crazy stories but it's fun it's it really cool and i th- i think it's cool i think it's a really unique um 
unique thing to military veterans at least combat veterans that you use that dark kind of humor to get through those tough situations you know so you have to yeah you have have nothing else but that that operations red wings that uh the the lone the what the book lone survivors built on and and written about in the movie that literally redefined how they handled those hostage situations because that was just like you said the example of exactly what not to do um And it's just it, un, truly unfortunate, but uh, yeah, man, I'm glad you guys made it out of that one because uh, who knows? Who knows? So what yeah, happened? Who knows? Did yeah, you guys bring them back to, to back to the fob and get interrogated, or how'd that no. work out? Yeah, so basically, when the QRF guys, our our rest of our platoon showed up, there was like an infantry platoon or something that happened to be in the same vicinity. So they came out there too, and you know they searched the area and. Mm. You know, we found the AK-47 and it, it, it really turned out to be nothing. It was just a bunch of, it was a, a father and his two sons um, that were literally just goat herders in the middle of the desert. And the interpreters talked to them and, you know, it ended up being just kind of a, a whole lot of nothing. But, you know, at that time, we didn't know what it was going to be and we just assumed the worst. But they got How released and, know? yeah, they went on their merry way. But I'm sure they're probably telling the same type of story to their friends to this day. Did you guys ever popped out? Did you guys ever come across any like opium fields or anything like that? No, not that not in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, I never deployed to Afghanistan, but oh, I had a true. bunch of buddies. yeah, I had a bunch of buddies that obviously did, and uh, yeah, those opium fields from the pictures I've seen and things I've 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 seen Nuts. in uh, documentaries. I mean, those things are miles and miles along of opium. <laughs> Crazy stuff, man. Yeah. That's insane. I'm going to open up a beer for you and every other American soldier Absolutely. throughout history right Thank now. Thank you. I'm going to take a sip of this my... This is uh, a yeah, beer man, for all of y'all. Cheers to you. Thank you for your service, Nate. Honestly, I uh, didn't hey, say guys. that earlier, but uh, I appreciate it, man. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate did, it. Did Saddam have weapons of mass destruction? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. If he did, I don't think we ever found them. <laughs> Hey, or he it, got him out. Or he it got was him a out trick really question. Quickly. He, got, he must he got have got him out, really out real quick, man. Real quick. Or they're buried. Yeah. Or they're buried. You know, hundred feet down in the sand. But as far as I know, I don't. I don't know where they are. What was the most surprising thing that you learned spending time in Iraq? That uh, maybe about the people, the culture, something that the the media missed. Oh, man, you know, I think one thing that I took away, and I've told this to my wife before, is. You know, the people in Iraq, they're just people too. They're literally just trying to live their life. And, you know, I try to really be 50-50 on a lot of things. And I'm trying to think, like, how would you feel if, like, you know, a foreign, you know, country came into our country right now and, you know, occupied certain things? And you're just trying to, like, live your day daily, right? Um, So I think I just found myself having a lot more compassion, I think, for people. Mm. Um, Because, you know, you work with so many different types of personalities in the Marine Corps, at least, you know, like... Every personality you could possibly imagine you deal with in the Marine Corps. And then on top of that, you're also dealing with, you know, a foreign country that you've invaded or you've been a part of. So I think just, you know, having that compassion for people are learned. Um, for sure. Yeah. So transitioning. So was that your, your last deployment, uh, deployment and you transitioned out? What, uh, what made you want to stop? Was it, did you start your family and realize just wasn't conducive to, to raising a family or what, what kind of made yeah, you decide totally. to get out? You know, it's, I, it's funny to talk to other Marines, but I think a lot of us Marines, uh, we have a very hate, you know, a love hate relationship with the Marine Corps. Um, 
and I was just, I was done. I was kind of over it. You know, I, I think, mm. you know, you, you do deployments, you do the trainings, you deal with kind of the same assholes all the time. <laughs> You're like, you know, I'm going to move For on. Sure. There's, there's other things out there. I definitely knew I wasn't going to be a, a, a lifer. Um, that's what we call people that stay in for forever. Right. Um, but I, I knew I wanted the family. I was um, at that time. Yeah. At that time I was married to my wife. So I know that, you know, that was hard and we wanted to move on and have kids. And, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to go to school. I wanted to, you know, move on with my life. So I, I did my time and I'm, I'm glad I did, but yeah, it was definitely the next step was to, to kind of push forward and, yeah, make that next step into into college and careers and then obviously family and kids and all that. And you have that entrepreneurial spirit. Would you say that some of that comes also from the kind of training you had, maybe the more for- formal training you had? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with my, my with my uh, side business right now, um, I would say my greatest skill that I learned from the Marine Corps, like I said earlier, uh, is just learning how to work with people. Um, you work with some of the weirdest people you will ever meet is are in the military. I swear. Like there's people that I've met in the Marine Corps and in other branches that I'm like, where did you come from? Like literally where did you come from? And I've, I've worked with people that didn't even have electricity before they came into the Marine Corps. Like this guy. uh, Yeah. So side story uh, of a funny guy. American citizen. Yeah. American citizen. Uh, This guy named Grant Barker. He, uh, he was a recon dude. Uh, he came in our cyber platoon. He got out of our platoon right before we deployed. But this guy was like, I think from like Tennessee or something. And he literally grew up with like no, it was either like no electricity or no running water, like almost his entire life. My goodness. Okay. Now it makes sense. I lived in Tennessee for a couple oh, of years. Oh no. He popped up. Oh, speaking of electricity. <laughs> so transitioning out of the military where you are now, uh, being the range master, you're working with the Santa Barbara police department. Yeah. So I've been with them for about seven years. Um, so I'm mostly just doing a lot of the, like the range stuff, obviously that with the title range master, but I do all the firearms training for them qualifications. Uh, yeah, I do all the, uh, like I do training for them for like taser, less lethal shotgun, uh, patrol rifle, obviously handgun. I do a lot of stuff with the SWAT team too. do a lot of stuff with them training them. Um, and then I'm also in charge of a lot of the equipment. Um, yeah. So just, a, <laughs> just a lot of training, which is what I love doing. So it, it definitely fits my personality for sure, but uh, I love it. What are some of those higher tech, less lethal options that you've got now at your disposal? So the higher tech, so you said, yeah, like we've got the tasers. Everyone kind of knows about that, but I have a feeling that there's probably other stuff. Maybe it's on the horizon or maybe you have now. Oh yeah. Um, we, so we all, all we have right now are tasers and then we have like our drag stabilizer, less lethal. Uh, we have like 40 millimeter sponge rounds for like ride control stuff. But I, I heard there's a company, um, they're doing this get hit by that. What's that? <laughs> I wouldn't want to get hit by that. <laughs> no, you definitely don't want to get hit by that. Um, it you're not going to die, but I don't know. You're not going to die, but it would it would definitely leave something. <laughs> It'll fuck your month up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a company that just came out. I think last year, it it looks like something straight out from like a James Bond or Batman movie. It's like almost like this grappling hook 
thing that like spins around your foot. Oh shit! It, I don't know how effective it is, but oh yeah, yeah. like it's weighted. it's weighted. It's got weights yeah. on the end, kind of. And you shoot yeah. this thing, and it like goes around your Wraps feet, you and then it you know causes the person to fall. I, I don't know how effective that's really going to be. Um, I know some countries like China and um, like some like the Asia countries, they actually have this uh, system where it's like almost like glue, like you spray. It's like a foam. It sounds like a mess, but basically you spray them with like a foam and it, it basically creates like a like a resin and makes them really sticky so they can't move. Um, but so like a like so napalm. is it called is it called the kami kami glue or what? <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably gives you cancer too when when they spray you. Oh. But uh, so, yeah, that's all so we have. Nate, yeah, working working with the police department and especially over the last year with all of this. Uh, horrible rhetoric of of the police bashing and defund the police and things like that what do you think some of the major problems are um facing being a police officer in today's day and age are they you know are they under trained is defunding the police the complete wrong way to look at it like what what's your viewpoint from having um experienced both overseas and working hand-to-hand with them and seeing them train are they you know what, what what's going on you know, it's a it's a really good question. I get that asked actually quite a bit more often than you than you think. Um, you know, it's it's a really sad situation because I think there's there's validity to both sides of the argument. Um, but one of the biggest things I think one of the worst things we could do right now is defund the police. Um, and Couldn't yeah, and, and the and the reason for that is is that. You know, you have you have these men and women that are going out every single day. They're putting their life on the line. And if you start defending or you defund them, right, you're taking law enforcement out of the picture. I mean, it, it to no surprise, you're going to start getting increase in crime. I mean, imagine if you had no police in your area. What would it's happen? It's already to happening where, I, where we live in L.A. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah, exactly. It's happening. By an in some, extremely measurable amount. Yes. Exactly. And that's what's so interesting, right? It's not like, you know, you're getting like a 5% increase. We're seeing like 50 to 100 to 200% increase. I mean, look at Chicago. When Chicago started pulling some of their police out of those areas, you saw crime rates just skyrocket. I mean, it makes sense, right? The whole purpose of law enforcement is to create law and order. I mean, they're there to serve and protect the community. Um, So even just the presence, right? Like even the presence. Hopefully that's all that's necessary. Yes. But if you defund, I mean, I, I would also say that if anything, we should be increasing funding for the police department, because when you have certain situations, yeah. I mean, like, look at George, you know, George Floyd, what happened there was tragic. I don't know one cop that would say, hey, what happened there should have never happened. That should have never been an issue. That should have never happened. They could have dealt with that in a different manner. But you look at that situation and it doesn't matter if it's a police department or another organization or sports team. You can't look at one or two or three or four guys that made a really bad decision and say, Hey, all cops are this. And now we need to defund them to get rid of it because all cops are like this. That's not the, that's not You're the really case. Thinking. Right. So if anything, I would argue, I would argue every single day that if anything, if you want, that kind of stuff to not happen, there needs to be more training because I think what happens is, is as the public and as citizens, we put so much pressure on law enforcement. We say, Hey, you need to not only uphold the law, you need to be a mentor. 
you need to be a doctor, you need to be a teacher, you need to be a counselor. I mean, the things that our cops do day in and day out, the average human being wouldn't even be able to handle like in one day. And these cops are doing it for 30 years. Yes. So a really interesting perspective. Sorry to interrupt you. I just, uh, sometimes with the internet, it's like hard to like fit in, you know, the flow of the conversation where it's like live, you can feel it. But, um, a really interesting perspective I heard recently is that, you know, with, for instance, your, your previous career, you were able to go fight a war, something that you believed in and, and we all believed in and it was for the right cause, mm-hmm. but you were able to go do this in another country thousands of miles mm-hmm. away, whereas these and – the, and then come home, right? So there's like a huge separation gap. It doesn't mean that you're not bringing things home and there's not issues there, but police officers essentially go to war in their own communities mm-hmm. a lot of the time mm-hmm. and they go home in the same – point within blocks of where – they handle crime yeah. on crime yep. on crime for 30 years. Yep. That's a really interesting psychological phenomenon yeah, that a lot of people don't take into consideration. Like these cops have to go through a lot of bullshit, man. A lot. And there's a reason why they treat situations in certain ways. Mm-hmm. It's through experience. Yeah, exactly. And I think people who are the keyboard warriors that can sit in their comfort of their they own know home, nothing. watch the news and be like, oh, cops are horrible. Look at this. Well, you're not looking at the whole perspective and actually a lot of the time those videos you see are very cleverly cut so that it's it's to appear a certain way but then weeks later you get the whole picture and you're like oh what was that guy thinking yes. like why would why yeah. would you go grab that, that has police been officer's truth. gun yeah. why yes. so many times you know what i mean you know yeah i think you guys are i think you guys get Hold the, the media accountable for that one it's it's their yeah. fault sham media yeah, it's it's really unfortunate because, you know, a, a good example is, you know, you have you have like a, a standard beat cop, right? They might go on four calls. One call might be a call of a dead baby. The second one is a, you know, a domestic, somebody who just got, you know, the shit beat out of them by their boyfriend or their girlfriend or their husband or wife or something. The next call they go to is a call of a suicide uh, person who just literally blew their brains out. And then the fourth call is, you know, some lady who's complaining that, you know, they got a parking ticket Uh on the side of the road, you know, because they were parked in a, you know, a 90 minute and they were there for, you know, you know, two hours. So, you know, you look at those experiences and you look at what, you know, what cops are going through right now. It's a lot of PTSD and a lot of trauma day in and day out. And then when certain situations do happen, like, unfortunately, like this situation, you know, it, it kind of makes sense why you have people that are not trained or not able to do this because there's a lot of pressure that's put on law enforcement. And, there you know, there, there's not just the training element, too. I think one of you guys said it. It's it's also like psychologically and in, in the experiences that they go through all this trauma, they need, you know, they need more resources. If anything, let's fund the police. Let's pour resources to get them more trained, yes. more qualified. Yes, let's let's get a selection process that 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 puts through higher quality candidates as well right like let's let's produce salaries that makes and motivates individuals to you know who 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 really want to do the job correctly and have a a a continual training pipeline right because from some crazy statistics i've heard like uh, a lot of the time 
police officers, a majority of them, the only time they've ever fired a weapon was was during the academy when they initially start. Yeah. And then there's no requirements to continually practice and go to the range. And it's just optional. Do you have any thoughts on like uh, what's your experience with the police and, and with the firearms training? Because I feel like, you know, with with you guys and the special operations communities and, and the higher ups and um, in, in the military, you guys get a lot of range time. You get a lot of yeah. high pressure, high threshold, you know, situations yeah. where you get to train that stress threshold. They don't. Yes. So real life. What, what are some things that you, that you would implement if you were like just handed the keys to the, to the government and say, Hey, oh, do what man. you need to, you know, oh, gosh, I feel like this is something that, you know, isn't really talked about a lot. Um, that needs to be talked about is so what you said exactly like in the military right depending on what you do you know for me for example i mean i feel like we've got i got so much time to train right we're training day in day out i mean all you're doing is training right you're training for missions you're training for combat and when you look at law enforcement the amount of pressure that's put on them for all these things they're not receiving as much training mm -hmm. as they should um there was a there was that podcast I think uh, you maybe you guys heard it with Jocko and um, with uh, Rogan. He said it like he literally nailed the you know yeah. nailed it on the head. It's like you know you train and train and train day in day out to become a perfectionist, right? You become this like almost like this brain surgeon of of mastery of your craft. And with law enforcement, you know, besides the academy, you know, you might do a qualification four times a year. You might do like a, like a hand to hand stuff like Archon or something life. once every two years. It's not real life. And unless you're the individual, like, and I know a lot of guys like this, um, you know, they get off a 10 hour, 12 hour shift. They're dead tired. They should probably go to sleep. They should probably be with their family. You know what they're doing? They're taking the initiative to go get yeah. their own training at a jujitsu place or they're learning another skill that will help That's benefit right. them in their, in their career. And we, they shouldn't be doing that. Like departments, we need to be providing for that kind of stuff yes. to set them up. For Would you success. say that comes with flexibility, like maybe offering some kind of like a break time or like a, Hey, this is a you time and we're budgeting it into your schedule. How would you address it? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, there's, there's some agencies I think that are, are looking into that where they give, you know, officers paid time to go work out. I know some agencies like they should get that anyway. That I thought to, they did. I no, Well, no, not all agencies. Like some agencies do that. They kind of factor in like a 45 minute workout right. session within your I've time read of frame. This. Uh, the fire, yeah, the fire department does it. I mean, they've been doing it for years and I think the fire department culture um, is a little bit more advanced and a little bit more um, team oriented, I think, because you're with that same crew of guys, you know, or, or women on that, like that truck, that engine. But with law enforcement, you know, you're, you're constantly, sometimes bigger agencies, you don't even get to know your team, smaller agencies like us, you, you know, you know, who's on your team, but even just giving people the opportunity to like train at work, like whether it's working out, or giving them some kind of incentive programs like, Hey, we're going to pay for this. Hey, we'll give you, you know, uh, a bonus. We'll give you extra time off if for you sure. qualify really high or something. So I would say we need to be increasing the training. We need to give law enforcement every single tool that they, they need to do their, to do their job and, and to be successful mm -hmm. at the mission. I mean, imagine like, 
you know, a brain surgeon saying, oh yeah, I, you know, I do one surgery a year and it's on a dummy. And then you're expecting that brain surgeon to go, you know, perform some major, you know, brain surgery on like a loved one. You'd be like, wait a minute here. Yeah. Uh, Wait, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Like you're going to cut into my, my, my family's head and you've done this how many times? So, you know, it's, it's a really weird and, and tough situation. I think law enforcement is and resonating right with that. I mean, here, even at CTAP, you know, dimension software, we do very similarly. We before work, you know, before lockdown and, and, and obviously we wish we could be doing this today, but you know, we used to all work out together and there's so much of that mental that comes out of it. There's so much of that, like, you know, yeah. just that like connection and that like reality that, you know, a lot of these, you know, officers, they might be missing. You know, especially if they don't have the yeah. military or the kind of like strict, you know, something yeah. prior to, to whatever they didn't get <laughs> going through an the An interesting frame of mind, an interesting frame of mind that um, that really hit me hard recently. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks uh, over 2020 here, um, really trying to just spend a lot of time in introspection and, and trying to grow my mind and, and my capabilities mm-hmm. as a thinker. Uh, I've always been kind of a real physical person and, and trying to push those limits. But I've really come to understand that you don't ever rise to the occasion. Like you always hear these motivational yeah. quotes, you fall back on your training. And Absolutely. I, and I think that, I think that if our country can realize that the men and women that go out and do in our communities the service that is necessary to keep law and order and that we're able Mm -hmm. to provide them the tools and the training necessary at an efficiency and and, and, uh, the capabilities rate that's necessary to do their job proficiently, pay them properly. It's simple. Like a lot of other things, there's simple solutions to a lot of these problems. It's just literally implementing them. That's a powerful. I think we would see a huge change. I think we would see a huge change with just simple implementations, and I think they would get uh, more confidence in themselves. There'd be more trigger Mm -hmm. discipline. We would see less of these incidences, and who knows, man? Like maybe we can all get along a little bit better. You know, like is that such a hard thing to 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 shoot for? But I don't know, man. Um, How much is salary a factor in this? Oh boy! Sorry, say so they get how much the yes. salary factor? They get they get paid so badly, man. You know, and again, it, it always depends on like the county, the city, the state. Um, you know, I would I would say that based on my experience at the at the PD and seeing what people are going through, I don't think people I don't think they get paid enough. Honestly, I mean, most people would never work in a job right that would you know you'd have somebody spit on you or someone physically assault mm-hmm. you right. When the police show up, I mean, the whole point of a police department, right, is not just to also keep the law and order, it's to help de-escalate the situation, hopefully sure. find some kind of middle ground, right? Um, you know, they always there's always that term, you know, cops need to know how to be, uh, was it um, verbal, uh, judo, you know, learn <laughs> yep. how to basically be the masters of, you know, of talking. And, you know, a lot of these cops that I work with, they're so good at that. And, and they're, they're human beings. I mean, you and I, we all get mad about certain things when we stub our toe or, you know, our latte from a coffee shop isn't made right. <laughs> so you know, true, these men though. and women, they get spit on and harassed and called things 
that you and I would never allow somebody else to call without us getting in a fight and they will have the best composure, the most professional look on their face and they will do everything they can to de-escalate that situation. That is the truth. Ben and I have Um, seen it. It's not, it's not what the media portray. Exactly. Like for instance, those two police officers that got shot in the face point blank (laughs) and the woman officer took charge she she's literally yep. her jaws like dislocated are you talking There's, about the ambush yes. that happened yeah be. just recently yeah. she she yeah. she got her a partner out of the vehicle into a safe location called in the radio as best as she could to call for help got them situated in a safe you know location until help arrived and did and then and attended her partner before attending to herself yep. she should be yep. awarded the highest award, but where is that story? Totally. What what it, it was an hour of of the news here in LA, and it never reappeared. And, and they I made mean, it sound yeah. at first the news did like there was some crazy incident where that may have been justified, which was insane. They left it yeah, open, you know, at first. Oh man, the media. I mean, I I could again. We could we could be here hours talking about the media. It's really sad to me to see organizations like news organizations that have clearly are just writing their own narrative. They, they don't really care. Right. You know, we're always talking about like fake news and all this stuff, but then you look at the media and you're like, where are you guys getting this, this resource? Where is this information coming from? Why isn't this being reported on? It's always, it's, it's become this one-sided thing now that I am hoping that most Americans are now looking and going, this is really weird and interesting that we, they were talking like this incident, right? They talk about this, but then they made it kind of justifiable and it kind of goes back and all of a sudden you hear nothing. Right. And then it's, it's dead quiet. And then they're, they're picking something else, but it's just amazing to me to see where the media has gone, especially in 2020 with everything happening. And it's really disappointing. And before we dive into cancel culture, I feel like they're betting that they, they create the narrative at first, which in this case was just like a very open-ended, hey, it might have been justified. We've got to find out what happened first. Uh, then mm-hmm. they drop it when they find out it wasn't, and they're just betting that people have short-term memories and they totally just don't, you know, it's it's gone now. Yeah. And, and then what's set in their brain is, you know what, maybe it was justified. Uh, because this seems yep. to be a little bit too much of a recurring theme. It's, you know, it's something I notice. <laughs> Yeah, there's never and an I think, apology. I, I like to think that, um, yeah, I think a lot of Americans are seeing that. Even a lot of my good friends that I, I love and really and respect that are liberals, that you know, you would almost think that they would be on the media side. Even even some of them are like, "Wow, this is not okay. Mm. Like, this is stuff that should not even be reported, or this this shouldn't Thanks. go this direction." So it's encouraging to say, "Hey, look, it doesn't matter what what political side yes. you're on." There is something that's happening right now in this media culture that's not okay. It's like we there's no accountability, and I think that's no. a big thing. There's no accountability on the would, media. Would you say it's anti-American? You know what's funny about that? So maybe, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But one thing I always have to rem- remember, and this is going to sound kind of weird, is you know, they have every right to do that because what does America stand for? We're about freedom and liberty and justice for all. It's their right, right? It's their amendment right to say and do what they want. Yes. So is that really counter American culture? Is that really counter American? I don't know because it's a freedom of speech True. and that's, that's something that I fought for. Right. And that's what other veterans fought for. So if they want to, you know, they want to make something up, 
I guess that's freedom of speech, right? I mean, it's not like a dictatorship where, you know, if you were in communist Russia or, you know, in, in, in another country where you would get literally beheaded or, you know, hung or shot for that. That's why America is what it is, is because you have that right and freedom to say. Yeah. So I don't know. It's and kind they of should hard, be able to say that. And you're there. totally right. Maybe there ought to be disclaimer on there. I don't know. Because what happens then when, you know, for example, we get canceled just for having this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I think, I think the fine line happens when, you know, they're able to say, you know, and I mean they by whatever side, left or right, whatever, um, gets to say whatever it is that they want to say. But I think the fine line where they start crossing into kind of the, how do I put it properly, the area of no return where it's almost like mm -hmm. they're going to take a piece of of freedom little by little enough so that there's no reverting back. And what I mean by that is like, for instance, Twitter, Facebook, yeah. these things, right. sure, they can say what they want to say. That is the truth. But then they cancel anyone else that has any opposing view to what their agenda is. And there's no like the art of the debate is completely lost. Yeah. Right. H Hunter like, Biden's yeah. emails, it's like, yeah, totally. unfortunately, are real. I mean, it's just. Yeah. Like that's the fine line that I think it's, it's a little worrisome. And I mean, for instance, we were talking about black rifle coffee earlier, um, so being a kick-ass company with great coffee. Guess what? They got canceled off of Instagram for, for that, an incident true? that was completely out of their control. Yeah. Uh, that guy, that the kid that, um, shot and killed a couple people in the riots, um, oh, right. He wore, like, he wore a black rifle t-shirt, black rifle yeah, coffee right. t-shirt so just on his own, on his own. They didn't sponsor him or anything. He bought the shirt, wore it. And, uh, Instagram saw it as him supporting him yeah. or, or that company supporting him. That's a slippery and slope. They canceled the whole thing off the platform it took like uh, a month to get them back up and running again but that's I terrible mean, i did hear about that, that it's, that's it's a slippery insane. slope because I mean, we could don a shirt for whomever go do something absolutely ludicrous and what i mean it speaks nothing to the shirt where the t-shirt we're wearing but nonetheless yeah, yeah i mean that's that's just logic nonetheless 2020 has really shown us kind of how fragile the the country kind of is right now but i think it's also something that's really yeah. cool to hear. what you're doing with defend um talk to us a little bit about it and uh maybe how people can can get a hold of you and and sign up for for what it is yeah um yeah, 2020 has definitely been a very interesting year for my uh, my side business. Um, yeah, Defend, I started about three years ago, and it was mostly just because I had a lot of people just asking me that they wanted, um, you know, they wanted somebody that they could trust. They wanted someone that could teach um, them how to be, you know, proficient and safe with a firearm. And I was kind of uh, hesitant to do it at first because I was like, great, you know, a side business, more time, you know, I, I just didn't really want to do it. And three years later, here I am still doing it. And what's crazy about it is I'm doing it. Um, I don't have a website yet. I'm actually going to come out with a website next, uh, this in the next few months, actually, it's being built right now because I'm getting to a point where I got to either like, you know, what, what do they say? You're going to shit or get off the pot. So, <laughs> exactly. the spirit. so I decided, yeah, so I'm, I decided I'm going to do the website and push forward because 2020, what it has shown is that. I think more and more people are realizing like, Hey, 
I can't necessarily trust my government mm. or I'm, I can't rely on my government for things. Right. You are right. Um, you know, with COVID and the riots and all these things that really showed a lot of issues with society in 2020, I think people are now going, I'm my own, like I'm the last defense that I have. Like I literally have to do my the own first stuff. Line here, of right? I'm the only defense. defense, right? Like I'm the mm. only defense I have is myself. And so I think people are now realizing like if, you know, if shit hits the fan, which, you know, 2020 kind of showed that people are now thinking, well, if the police are defunded, if they're going to get out of my city, you know, you know, um, grocery stores are, you know, low in stock, I need to be able to have something that would protect myself. So I've definitely got a lot of clients out of that. But basically, Defend was really created to give people an opportunity to be safe, to be proficient and to get some kind of professional training out there. Because one of the things I noticed as a, as a, um, as an instructor and as a tactician, uh, there's so many companies out there that do the same thing that I do that right. are, are, it's actually really scary. In my opinion, there's a lot of uh, posers out there. There's a lot of people that don't teach and, and practice good uh, weapons handling. Um, they make stuff on it, earlier. Like we said, like the YouTube commandos, right? Guys yep. go and they see something on YouTube or whatever. And then they go and they, they try to teach that. And then you get people either getting injured or killed or something. So it's anyway, more prominent just started in doing that because they're real lives, they're human lives. Yes, exactly. And, uh, so yeah, so I do a lot of that on the, on the weekends and, uh, just train, uh, I'm training a lot of just new, um, new people who are really, uh, first time users with firearms. Uh, I have some clients that I do more of the high speed, quote unquote, high speed, you know, tactical mm. training, but you know, I do a lot of that in PD, so I get my fulfillment out of that. But a lot of the clients with the defend are, you know, the average, you know, the mom, the single mom with, you know, the two kids. So important, the, man. Yeah. Or the family that, you know, um, they want to learn how to protect themselves or the dad that yep. wants to introduce the son to a firearm or, you know, a group of, um, you know, women that want to be able to protect themselves at night, you know, just any, it's, it's mostly those kind of clients. And that's the, kind of where I'm going towards with it is, you know, the people that really want to better themselves and reach out um, and just being safe and all that. What does a typical training session look like? Do you do like one day sessions? Do you do like a multiple day session where you break mm -hmm. down, you know, like do do what, what does that look like? Do you teach them how to like break down the, the weapon system that they're utilizing and put it back together? I mean, is it that yeah. integral or is it more just, you know, here's how you hold, shoot and aim, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, good question. Uh, so everything, it's one of the things that I'm, I'm working on more on is every client has a specific need and most clients that I have, it's kind of like that. It's where, Hey, I've never touched a firearm or, Hey, I've had this handgun in my safe for, you know, 20 years. I've never taken it out. Now I want to learn how to use it. Mm -hmm. So usually it's always a minimum of a three hour class uh, that I go through and I usually have recurring clients, but usually for the first time that I meet a client, let's say a brand new client, uh, it's a lot of weapon safety because to me, it's always about the foundation. What is the basic foundation? The basic foundation is you've got to respect this weapon. You have to be safe with it. You need to know what this weapon is capable of. It's not like what you see in the movies, which is really interesting because I'm starting to realize that a lot of people get their 
information from movies and all that, uh, the U-2 commandos. Well, come on, you man. Know. Navy SEALs with Charlie Sheen is like the staple movie oh, for yeah. everyone should watch, totally. right? Like, oh, yeah. how to do everything. Are you always one-on-one? Charlie Sheen, Navy SEAL movie. So good. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, so it's usually me and a client. Um, if it's usually like, you know, a family or somebody it could be me and like four okay. others, but it's really personal. And that's what I really wanted to keep it as. There's a lot of classes you can go out there with like, you know, you pay X amount of dollars and there's like six instructors and there's 20 people in the line. But the problem is people get really lost in that. And I've seen it firsthand where if you don't have some kind of experience and you go to those classes, totally. you either get lost in those classes or you become the liability in that yeah. class. And so defend right. is really about being professional with individuals and having that really close connection with them. It's almost like in a weird way, like somebody buying their first car, right? Or, you know, the dad giving the son the keys or the, you know, the dad giving the, the daughter the keys to the car and be like, hey, right. here you go. In a way, that's kind of how I feel. I'm I'm sitting with a client and teaching them, hey, gun safety, which they they don't know anything about, right? Their mind is blown by the end of the class because they they go, I have no idea that I that you know I should do this, this, and this. So it's a lot of one on one. It's a lot of gun safety. We do uh, some like breaking down the weapon system, mm. um, but then we really get into just like how to handle the firearm. And usually for clients, um, I'll get clients, you know, two, three, four, sometimes some clients I have like five times before they start, you know, kind of being a lot more comfortable with the firearm. Do you bring your own, like, let's say when, when Keith and I go up there and, and get some <laughs> training in with you, we'll schedule that up here pretty soon, man. That would be awesome. To it. Do we bring our own things? Do you guys provide, uh, some weapons for, uh, new, new timers or how does that work? Yeah, it's it's all dependent on the client. Um, okay. Like I said, some some clients have their own weapons and their own guns and their own uh, ammo and all that. And then some people have no idea. They're like, "Hey, I just want to awesome. learn this, and so I can get an idea." So obviously, I I can provide some of that stuff, but I would say majority of the clients that I have usually bring their own stuff. But I do have a, a handful of clients that, you know, don't have anything. And, you know, that's where I come in. I can kind of step in and say, okay, these are the options that I have. And it gives them kind of a good baseline, right? So that way they, they kind of know what For to sure. expect and they know what they want to get, um, what to purchase. So I kind of make recommendations and all that. But it's it's always specifically dependent ben on Ben and I will show up with like a box Dude, of MREs so cool. and a Tesla death ray. Machine, which you need to train us on <laughs> and a ghillie suit, yeah. and a ghillie suit. <laughs> no man that is so cool um what when that website's up we'll we'll backlink it onto uh the Heck show yeah. notes and all that oh, but thanks, guys. leaving it with the last piece of advice you know our goal with call to action podcast is kind of one highlight fascinating individuals with with incredible stories you. such as yourself uh and then also to, to give our listeners, you know, a takeaway from this conversation that they either wouldn't have access to or even know to ask someone like yourself. Um, so through your experience in life and, and through your military career and where you are now and being a husband, a father of two daughters and, and it, with 2020 just wrapping us up by the balls, you know, can you leave that listener out there listening um, with the last piece of advice, wisdom, something just that you wish you knew either from day one or just something you learned through your journey uh, to yeah. where you are now? Well, I feel like I have to be like some kind of scholar to give this like an incredible piece of, uh, you know, 
advice. I, I would say, you know, one, I would say live your life and, and don't live in fear. I, I'm, I think 2020 has proven that so many people are living in these, these really dark places of fear. And I would say you got to live your life. You know, it, it might look different than it did in 2019 and 2018 and so forth, but just live your life and really, really just start thinking about how you want to be as an individual, how you want to be treated and how you want to treat other people. Um, I just, I think 2020 just kind of showed a lot of flaws in, um, not just in the U S but I think in humanity and as individuals. So just to live your life without fear and, um, and just be kind, just be kind to people. Cause it's amazing to me how many people now are just so isolated and, and it's causing issues now with, uh, with people. Love it. That's amazing advice this pipe hitter has a longer barrel than you he's doing the lord's work training people to be able to defend themselves and be their own first line of defense we salute you nate he heard the call and took action thanks for coming on the show my man we appreciate you thank you for your service and for sharing your incredible story welcome to the ctap family brother thanks guys appreciate it